program I was in, recovery, is a word they use very little, or maybe only once or twice, but to me it's a really important word. And that's the word, word pause, P-A-U-S-E. And uh, it says, in the book it says, it's best to pause when agitated. Yeah. So, in a sense, if the self-centeredness is the predominant thought system, and your mind is attending it, you know, with an extreme devotion because it takes itself to be that which is being represented. You can't be more devoted than that, yes. A devotion or obsession, when it turns into an identification, is a pretty, pretty deep devotion. So, in that mind stream of selfing, uh, it's always based on agitation. Because self is sort of an unreliable idea. It's sort of like building a whole foundation of, of, of an interpretation of life on sand. Yeah? So it's sort of resting, attempting to find rest in what's agitation is impossible. Yeah? It would only seem to be at rest if it got a little less agitated. And it would seem to be crazily agitated if it got more, which is going to be its nature. It's going to get less and more. Because yeah? Yeah? of a dualistic little... Uh, split. So there'll, there'll be more agitation or less agitation, but it inherently it's agitated. So in, in recovery, would say self-seeking and frightened. Yeah? It doesn't self say self-seeking, period, frightened. It's self-seeking and frightened. Because that's the agitation of selfing. Selfing is constantly in the form of seeking. Yes? Some kind of fulfillment or completion because it's based on lack, basically. Yes? So, first of all, it lacks an inherent uh, existence. Yeah? So, in a way, like in Buddhism, they would say the fourfold, I mean, the four basic truths. The second one is uh, the cause of all suffering is desire. But there are some translations that say it's, it's, even, it's a little more than that. It says it's the desire to become. Yeah? So, in a sense, selfing is always in that desire to become a self. That's what it's doing. Because it's not a self. It can never be a self. It's just the appearance of a self produced by an attention of mind to selfing. But it can never create a self. So its desire to be a self is reborn every moment. It arises. Yeah? And it's not... It's, it's always arising. Yeah? We believe that we're watching what's arising, but we're taking ourselves to be something that also arises that has a sense of time in it that is preceding all the other arises. Yeah? So everything is arising, and then there's something that arises at the same time, which is you, the sense of being you, but the feeling of it is that it precedes everything else that's arising, and it's having, or, you know, seeing or claiming the arising. So this arises is happening to me, as if I'm a stable point, yes? But it's arising. So the selfing is a desire to be constantly trying to fulfill itself to become what seems to be so. Yeah? So it has to have time, and so it precedes the, the uh, observation of arising, which the witnessing of arising doesn't precede it. There's the witnessing and the arising, same thing. Yeah? But when there's an observing of the arising, it's on a time delay, and you believe you were there before what, was a, what arose to be observed. Like, the observer is always there, yeah. and then it just waits in, like, pregnant pause to find, to see what's, a, what's arising. But to it, it's always to it, 
meaning this object which is an arising is a subject which is prior to arising. It's what's witnessing all arising. That's not so. Yeah? This feeling of being you arises. And therefore, once it arises, it has to be blown up and it has to be reinforced and it has to be reinforced to produce a sense of his story. You know? A his story. A feeling of being here. So when something happens to me, it feels like, oh, this had, has happened to me and I'm afraid it may happen to me. So immediately, the relationship is chock full of time. So something arises, it's claimed, it's happening to me, and then there's, oh, this reminds me, this has happened to me before, and shit, I'm scared that it'll happen to me again. What does that do? It sort of gives relevance to the idea of being you, stretched out in time. Yeah. It stretches it out into a history, a historical continuum. All all happening in a timeless event, really, which I would say, the uh, what I first began with, what happens in a pause, it's it's a timeless moment in linear time. Yeah, it's like a it's like a intervention in the time story, which is what holds your story. Yeah, you couldn't have your story without time. There would be no way. There would be no way to stretch it out. Yeah? So for it to seem real when it isn't, it has to be stretched out, let's say, on this unreal thread told, called time. And then that covers the reality of pause. Yeah? So the pause sometimes, for some of our conditioned consciousness, it breaks in to the linear time stream. And it interrupts the story of Paul, Yet, while the Paul story is interrupted, quote-unquote, Paul continues. <laughs> because there's the sense of the context of the story. Of the story. Yet not the content moving of the story, but what's really so. So the pause interrupts the time stream that is the remaking and the making and the remaking and the making and the desire to become what? A self. Through selfing. Through selfing. Yeah. So the pause drops in, and it says, so pause when agitated, in a way, the conditional way we live here is based on agitation. So in a sense, it's, you could say, like, in one way it sounds like a command, pause when agitated, but you can also look at it like a statement, pause when agitated. Because in time there's agitation, but pause isn't every when agitated. Yeah? Because it's a timeless moment. And timeless, every, every moment of time has one ingredient in it, is timelessness. Because it's in the context of timelessness. It can't escape its context. Even though it seems like it's, this is different than that, and yesterday I felt different than today, and this is definitely different than 2009, because it's 2011, and all like that. All that, we get put a lot of meaning in it, and we get into it, and get huffing and puffing, and everything seems real. But in every moment of time, there's timelessness. There couldn't be a moment of time without timelessness. So... You can see it like, oh, there's a command, so when you're flipping out, pause when agitated. So you would sound like, once again, you're the doer of it. All right. And then, of 
course, if you haven't been able to pause when agitated, what would make you believe you are going to be able to do it now? <laughs> because it would seem like it would have really behooved us to be able to pause when agitated many times in my life. Yeah? So now, as a command, I don't really like it, but as a statement, it's beautiful. Pause when agitated. So whenever or wherever agitation is, the pause is also there. There's your solution to the, to the imaginary problem. The imaginary problem is always eclipsed by the, the eternal quote-unquote solution to it, which is timelessness. Yeah? If it's a solution in time, it won't be a solution sooner or later. Yeah? <laughs> because fu the fundamental flaw of time will erode its sense of it being a solution. It can only be applied for a certain amount of time, then it needs to be reapplied. And then it needs to be re-energized or turbocharged. That's why they have like statements, oh, come to the next new meeting of turbo Buddhism or extreme Buddhism, like it's a sport, you know? We gotta charge it up with something because the battery keeps running out in time. So if you're practicing and you're really zealous and excited and then over time you get, oh, this is, nothing's not working, you know? So the solution that all the bells and whistles went off about tends to sort of have a, a faint echo in, a, in time. So every solution that's in and of time is not a solution, apparently, yeah? The solution must be looked for, not in time. Yeah? Therefore, you can't look for it. There's just seeing. Yes? Looking for it will produce a blindness to it. You won't pick it up when you're busy looking for it, because your looking is constrained in time. Yeah? There's a you that's looking. Something that's just seeing, which is just the state, now becomes an activity here, in time. You are looking. So busily looking, you, busily looking, is the activity of the mind being blind to the seeing. Yeah? The seeing is timeless. It's not an event. It's not an experience. It's not a possibility. It's a certainty. But not in time. It couldn't be a certainty in time. Once it's put in time, just like if you enjoy today... You can't carry that faith in enjoying tomorrow into tomorrow because tomorrow is a different time, different circumstances, different situations. So it's really crazy when you, let's say you found you went somewhere or you did a retreat and you felt peace and then what the mind tries to do is redo that. All right, I'll get the same situation I had last week. Get the candles, get the bathtub, turn off the phone and I'm going to reproduce peace. Because I had peace when I did all this stuff last Saturday. You can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> the water will be too cold. I mean, you know, someone else took a bath in the house when you don't go. Oh, fucking Sandy, she's used all the hot water. Resentments will fly up and everything like that. And there'll be no peace. <laughs> because it's based on circumstances. Yeah? Which are, they're actually underneath agitation. What is a circumstance but agitation of stimuli? Yeah. So, self, the identification as self is a product of a mental process called selfing. There is no self. There's no object called self that I have to get out of. There is an appearance of an object in time. Yeah? In timelessness, there's no appearance of it. There's, none, there's no appearance of selfing in timelessness. It appears in time. It has to have time to appear in it. Because it takes time to build up a story about being a self. 
There's no self to immediately recognize, so you have to recognize it through it being implied, assumed, yeah? Pointed at a lot, yeah? Referred to. But it can never be, self, come over here. It can never respond to the invitation here and now. You can recall it. I have called self and answered before, and I'm hoping it'll answer later, but it never responds now, yeah? Because it's not of now. It's of time, and it's produced. It can't be created, it's made. Yeah? Made, made, made. So the desire to become is an agitation, a constant agitation that's cooking up an interpretation of what's happening here and making up a story, <laughs> and the little cherry on top is the sense of being you. Yeah. And so when that cherry's on top, a whole big pile of shit can be really interesting with that little cherry. It doesn't matter what it uses, because your attention will go wherever that cherry is. Oh, this is about me. And you'll be absorbed in that shit. <laughs> because it's sort of like your interest and attention now has like a homing device, and it goes over where the mind casts itself to be. That's me. So you'll attend and be interested in what's happening to the action figure all day. And there's not enough information to get a clean idea of what's happening after this day. It got to go in the past, this made-up days, and it has to project it in the future so that its object of fixation can be stretched out. So it takes this fixed object of a body and places it somewhere else at some other time, and it constantly connects the dot in this historical time linear story. And so its attention gets enslaved to paying attention to that. Yeah? And it can only has only has two gears, backwards and forwards. It backs up. Just has, has it not been happening to me? It's gonna happen again. It doesn't know how to turn. It can't, it doesn't have. There's no steering. <laughs> and it's just like chugging along this timeline. <laughs> and what happens is all the attention and interest that is just a possibility. I mean, you could be sitting here and something could fly by and grab all of your attention. Because it's not yours, yeah? And in that moment, there would be an absence of self. There would be, and there is always a moment, the absence of self. But there'd be awareness. Your mind, instead of reflecting you, would be reflecting the absence of you. Yeah? And in that moment of engagement with what you call that, you would find what you are in the engagement with that. Yeah? Like seeing that hummingbird, you, that hummingbird would reveal what you are, the absence of the looker. Yeah? And that little pause can interrupt the biggest 40-year story you have about this linear little train, choo-choo train story, yeah? And all the cars you've added onto it, <laughs> and all the signs of how important your destination is, and all your total attention to your little train of life, knowing I'm nobly trying to find myself, and all like this, yeah? That one hummingbird, your attention going to it, is what happens is in a timeless solution, the pause that didn't take any time for that engagement with the hummingbird for the attention to realize its own freedom from the bondage of self. Yeah. It doesn't take any time. Every time that flavor of freedom is, it's a timeless moment. 
Of course, the selfing grabs it and makes it an experience and now tries to put it on the linear story of Paul. Yes? Claims it. And then if you get enough of those boxcars of spiritual experiences, then you claim your little spiritual choo-choo trains going to, let's say, enlightenment. And they express, too. No local. You're not stopping anymore. You're expressing. Yeah? <laughs> that thing, it doesn't go into affinity. You just don't see it. It's really confusing and hazy in the front. It just goes <laughs> round, <laughs> round, <laughs> round. And it's like, you do the same lap. What happens is the mind changes the scenery or each lap. So it looks different. Round. Instead of having trouble with your girlfriend Sue, it's another girlfriend named Elise. So you think it's different. <laughs> and your attention and interest is engaged with that, and it's not sensing the presence of all of this, all the space. Yeah. It's not that we're incapable of sensing the presence. We're totally capable of it. But it's where our attention and interest lies. And it's lying somewhere that we don't know it's lying, which is in the identification of self. Usually that's the starting point where we start believing we can direct our attention and interest in other topics. Hopefully that that will bring an, uh, an advantage to this. But this is the immediate place to look. Yeah? Not what it's attending to or interested in, but who is interested in attending to. Not to keep changing the objects my attention's on, but to see who is it that claims to be the, the one who has the attention. And if that's not so, then you'll see attention and interest is just the movement of living yet, the movement of life, conscious contact. It doesn't, there's, in, 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 in itself, there's no impliedness of a you doing anything. There's no one who's conscious. In the field of consciousness, there's an appearance of a mental process that produces the sense of you, and the mind has gotten engaged with that because it's sort of fallen for that idea, yes? And therefore, an identification has occurred, and now its interest and attention is wedded to support that idea of being Paul, pretty much beyond anything else. Its main imperative is to reinforce the identification as self. So it doesn't matter where that attention goes, what object, if it's still seemingly coming from this object, then the bondage to self, it can wear white clothes and go to retreats, or it can be on 6th and Market shooting dope today. There's really no difference. It's just degrees of mental suffering. But there's basically all of it is a bondage to a self or of a self. timelessness, when the, when the downloads occur, after the, the moving of the downloads, there is a feeling of timelessness. Hopefully that will be, become obvious. And then you'll see that that, in a sense, if you want to call a place of being in a problem and solution dynamic, that is the solution. It can't come from the process itself. It must come from outside of the process. 
But in this case, it's not outside of the process. The process is appearing in it. But the process doesn't have an inherent existence outside of its appearance in this. Yeah? So therefore, to me, I would say that's the highest form of, let's say, a demonstration of love, where there can be a seemingly a seeming problem in every moment of time, then the solution to that would be a timeless moment. That would be love. Yeah? So the timeless moment is is what's inherently in every moment of time. So no matter how much or how far away you can believe you are from something, that's something you, you have now made an object to be far away from, its real presence is inherently right there, right where you are at all times, with no requirement necessary as a you to meet it. Yeah? I would say that's love. An incessant onness of what you would call the solution if you're identified as the problem. So what is what is memory? Is that just a creation of the mind to support the self-story? It's not a creation. The mind can't create anything. It's made up. It's like a it's a filing system of an imaginary time. Yeah. What about when I see another person and I recognize like, oh that's a person, I'm like that. Well, that's two different things. There's the seeing of another person, and then that's a person is the form of looking of the mental process. Yeah. So the seeing engages an object called the person, but now the mental process claims it and says, "Yeah, it's me looking at that person." That's not seeing. That's looking. It's seeing inherently seeing, but it's it's a, a bastardized version of seeing called looking, like self-centeredly. Yeah. So yes, this perceptual vision is not going to see no thing. It sees things. That's, that's its conditioning. That's the program of the system. It's, you're not going to see no thingness with these eyes. Yeah, these eyes see things. That's what that's fun, their function is. Yeah, they take in information and have things made up of, out of it. That's the perceptual apparatus. So there's the scene, which is what the light that's going through this camera, that's conditional, it takes a certain picture a certain way, and the picture develops a certain way. But the light that informs that picture, that allows everything to occur, is not the camera. Yeah? So you have a chip in the camera that claims the light and says, I'm the one that's looking. Yeah? And in that, then you say, I'm a thing looking at a thing. That's the best it can come up with. That's how it it translates what happens in its programming. Yeah? But is that really happening? I would question that. I would actually question, is it happening to you? Yeah. Try to, if you, if you can go in any direction and you feel a need to inquire, inquire about the subjectivity of the camera box. You know? See if it's so, that it's the one that's looking. Or maybe it's just what, like in the old story of the telescope and the scientist. The scientist wants to see the stars, so it has to look through a, a, a set of lenses that produces the stars seemingly to be closer than they actually seemingly are. Yeah? If you looked at him looking at the stars, the stars would have the same distance. You'd see the telescope, you'd see him. But when he puts the eye behind this lens, it seems to make the stars closer. Yeah? So the, cam the telescope facilitates a certain kind of scene. Yeah? That, put, that makes something that seems far away to seem to be closer. Yes? But the seeing is the raw seeing, the raw consciousness. Yes? The telescope f 
facilitates that consciousness to see something and bring it seemingly closer through the lenses. Yeah? So why is that? There's seeing going on, and I would say what's happening is seeing nothing. That's what I would say mind's doing. Mind is seeing nothing. In other words, it's never broken because it never runs into anything. It's just seeing infinitely. Yeah? Now it comes through this camera like a telescope, and now it sees things. Yeah? Things that weren't appearing now appear. But it has to have this certain telescope for that to occur. I would say the body is almost in that role. It plays a certain telescope that causes a functioning to occur that no thing can appear to be things. Yeah? And then space to separate the things and time to see them gets produced. And this whole facilitation of a dream occurs from the seeing moving through this camera, this apparatus, and this apparatus refracting the light, different lenses, and then it presents a world and you become the experiencer of that world, yes? But what's happening is light. Light, undifferentiated light, moving through this lens, gets differentiated. And now, light, taking itself to be a thing, sees other things, which all things are light, though, or you want to call it energy, whatever. Yeah? So this is sort of the light waking up to the light, as the light, instead of waking up to the light as a person. Because if it wakes up to the light as a person, it sees the light as a thing. If it's not a person, it may see the thing, but it sees it as light. <laughs> the seeing of things keeps happening, but there's something else in there now. <laughs> how can you not travel lighter? <laughs> because the only thing that can manifest or express heaviness is a thing. <laughs> Things can get heavy. <laughs> really heavy. <laughs> but so, so that this, this will become really heavy. <laughs> Things can get heavy. Things can he contain heaviness. Mass can be added and create more mass. Yeah? Thing, things get heavier. What are thoughts but things? They're subtler things, but they're things, yes? Your, your mind eye sees thoughts like the physical eye sees birds fly by the window. Your mind's eye, until it's in sleep, usually the deep sleep, the mind's eye is seeing thoughts all the time. Your dreams, yeah, are just more visual thoughts. And then here you have thoughts about what you see all day, yeah? You don't seem to have much choice about it, do you? Because you're not the one that's, you know, running the show. You're not the one who has the on and off switch. You try by drinking, shooting dope, whatever. But the mind's on this is on until it isn't on. <laughs> and I would say that's in deep sleep, yeah? But when it's on, it's just like an eye. If my eye's open and it's facing this window and the window's open, if a bird fly by, I see the bird. I may have tons of opinions. I didn't want to see the bird today. I made a prayer, I'm not going to see a bird this morning. Now, I've already broken it. I saw that freaking bird. Yeah. There was no choice in seeing the bird. Yes. The reaction, the assumed choice, comes after the narration of seeing the bird. Yeah. There's no choice in seeing the bird. So, 
when the mind's on, there's no choice in what thoughts are going to be noticed. <laughs> there really, there isn't. Yeah? But if the narration is a thought called Paul is seeing those thoughts, immediately the act of claiming, mind claims through this identification to be the thinker of the thoughts, then heaviness ensues. Yeah? Tell us, I swear, write a word here, sex, money, and let's say health. Alright, everyone, based on their own condition, would give meaning to it, yeah? Sex, money, and health, yes? Everyone in the room. There isn't a basic objective meaning to it. It's all subjectified by whoever sees the word. Alright, so we weigh sex, money, health. We'd all have different weights, wouldn't we? But I'll tell you, I bet you each one of our weights would get much heavier by putting one word in it. To everyone here, it wouldn't be so subjective. My money, my, my sex, my health. My is the act of identification as, yes? That's selfing. That's what selfing does. It claims. It claims a life and calls it yours. It claims a body and calls it yours. It claims time and calls it your time. It claims problems as yours. It claims a girlfriend as my girlfriend. I've seen it. I'm going out with a girl, everything's fine and dandy. Really a lot of fun. Very relaxed, easy. Don't take this is just a story. Then after a few months, that girl now becomes my girlfriend. Yes? Now, three months later, I'm up on stalking charges, yes? <laughs> I'm breaking into her email account, because I think I have the right to know what my girlfriend is doing. <laughs> the word my represents the act of claiming. It's called the act of being identified as. So I'm identified as the one who has this girl. I'm identified as the one who has time. It's my time. I'm identified as the one who has the money. My money. I'm the one who's identified as the one who has health, my health. Yeah? Everything changes when health turns into my health. This is the subjective interpretation of a conditional mind. And it's what produces the heaviness and lightness in this life. Yeah? This is not an objective heavy place. It's added onto and subtracted from by you as the observer. Yeah? Yeah. Then, where is the freedom? Because if you seek freedom, then you that's right, I'm telling you where the freedom is, right here and now, but not for you. For you, freedom for you would have to be thrown into time. It would be freedom for you, and I'm going to start doing things to lead to that point, not now, that I will arrive at freedom, and then I will claim that freedom, and I will be free. This is the failed system. You can't interpret a timeless situation, and you can't thrust it into time. So, someone who studies for two years how to get out of the obsession with self, that could be seen as obsession with self. Self can't get out of self, you see? It just can't. No matter how far you go this thing, like a slinky, it's on an endless staircase. It's going to keep going, going, going. It's never going to come to a point where it rests and goes, no, because it never ends, so... The thing is, if I'm not self, there's your solution. Yeah. Then there's no need to get out of an imaginary process, because it is imaginary, and therefore at that moment, what you call being in the solution would be obvious to you. But it wouldn't be an experience for you, it would be a state. Yeah. 
that without shy circumstances and situations not be made by it. So um, how important is that seeing in, in its vividness for you to really get it? Because, you know, occasionally uh, it, you can have intellectual seeing of that fact, but it's very shallow and doesn't hold weight. And the first life situation that, that comes in, you know, you, you go back into uh, seeking pleasure and avoiding pain. But you seem like thought. you're doing that. There's a seeming that there's a you doing that. That's the phantom movement in a timeless place. If there's a rooting in of the timeless place, which means it's not a place, then all the movement that seems to be happening would be seen through. You don't move what you are. Yet it's constantly moving, but there's no movement in it. There's stillness in it. All this is mental gyrations based on an assumption that you were here and now you're there and then you want to get back here and you were here and then da 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 da. All that is just a movement of mind. You're not that. You obviously are not that. You can tell about it. You can describe what it was like because you're not like that. That's the only way you can describe what it's like is when you're actually not like that. Yeah? Talk to an active alcoholic who's in the bottom. They can't describe exactly what it's like because they're like that. They are totally identified as that. That's what's called the bottom. They don't have any observing of it. They're totally in the whole mix of it. They're identified thoroughly with that. Yeah? But you, what you, you share about movements of mind, which are very clear, but there's an assumption that you're being moved by that movement, that there's, some, there's you that can be taken away by that tide and moved there, and then hopefully something will take you back to where you want to be. But you're the underlying seeing of all that movement. Yeah? And there's no, that movement can never move out of that scene, nor can it move into the scene, because it can't move out of the scene. Yeah? The assumption of like trying to get into the moment is really based on the idea you can be out of the moment. So now a lot of people are trying to concentrate how I can get into the moment more, but if you would just look at and ask this really simple idea, could I possibly be out of a moment? If you can't possibly be out of a moment, the desire to get in the moment will be just blown right out of the water, yeah? Because you can't get out of a moment. And the whole idea with self, in a way, People are trying to get out of self because they assume they can be in self. They're taking a movement to assume that they're in that movement. They don't see it just as a mental movement. Yeah? That's dragging emotion and attention and interest with it because we're addicted to it. So the mind doesn't, it loses a sense of seeing the ball as it moves. It takes to be the movement of the ball. Yeah? It loses its, its neutrality and becomes biasly objectified as that thing it's identified as. At that point, there's no seeing available. It's all looking. It's all forms of looking. Self-centeredness, Buddhism, they're all forms of looking. Yeah? But the natural seeing is always available. But if, you're, if you can describe those movements, why not see that you must be somewhere else to describe them so clearly? <laughs> and I would say you're that which doesn't move with the little ping-pong ball of mind, yeah? Going this way and that way, close and far, up and down, yes, no love, hate, all like that. You know, none of those movements, yeah? None of those movements leave the, bo- leave the body of water which they're expressing over the surface of. So, let's say this mind is the surface, all these movements are like producing little grooves in, yeah? Our attention and interest 
gets, because of the identification, if one groove goes like this, it becomes a deeper groove. And then our interest and tension gets stuck, stuck in a deeper mental groove called a samskara. Yes? A very deep mental groove is alcoholism. So now the mind is inherently taking itself to be that that's digging this hole. Yeah, 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 yeah. But those are all just movements like an F on an Etch-a-Sketch board. Yeah? No matter if the line's done like this, it doesn't get any deeper, really. You know? Mm-hmm. You can do this with the SN, I guess, hundreds of times, one line, but it doesn't go deep. It's just still on the surface of the Etch-a-Sketch screen. Yeah? I would say we are that with all these little, like, you ever see, uh, if you open up a piece of wood or you have an ant farm that's vertical, you see all the little things they dig in the sand. There's all these little grooves because they're constantly moving. So that's the object of our attention, the body, the storyline is the little sand thing, and our attention and interest is, is like the oomph for that groove to be made. So we follow the ant, oh, I was really screwed up today, I had a terrible day, then it became great, the noise was... <laughs> but it's fair, it doesn't make it, it's just a, on the extra sketch, it doesn't sink deep. It doesn't affect, it doesn't affect, it only appears on the surface, it doesn't affect the body of water, yeah? You know that body of water. Why would you want, you know, though your attention and interest want to inform you you are that which is moving and doing this and that. But you can see that. So you have to be somewhere other than all that movement to see it. The ants don't know they have all these tunnels. You're out of the ant and you see them all. And then you get the pattern of what's going on. They're in the pattern. They're not noticing the pattern. They're quote unquote making the pattern. You're sitting there looking at it, it's very, it's very intriguing to watch the ants do their thing, but not to us when we're watching this thing do its thing, because we're identified. <laughs> yeah. It's incredibly producing a lot of exquisite suffering. Eh? So, and then what happens with an extra sketch? You just shake it, and it's, oh, all those deep mental grooves are not there anymore. And you do more every day. <laughs> Every day, every day, what do you think deep sleep is like? Every day, deep sleep is when the edge just goes like this. And, well, okay, let's go let's back to it again tomorrow. Falling all day. <laughs> From 1952 to 2011. Oh, look at that line. I've got Etch-a-Sketches all backed up. How can this not be true? It must be deep. I'd be going... It's still not going deep. It's just on the surface, yes? It's like trying to scratch glass with something they can't. Yeah? No matter how many times, times you rub it, it looks like you're cutting it, but it's not leaving a mark. Yeah? Because the, the surface is too solid. In this case, the surface is totally empty. It's, it's really an arrogance to think we have relevance <laughs> as an action figure. I even felt it with a very good friend of mine. He passed away, food poison, an old friend since first grade. And there's a feeling of that, you know, how, how quickly it all disappears. You know, he had 59 years of screaming through all activities and expressing and this and that. Yet, in a day or two, there's no sign of him. It's like his line on the Etch-a-Sketch was stopped. Yeah. Now the story could have been it was really deep, but as soon as it was stopped, the stopping of all that agitation tends to produce a feeling of 
really what actually happened. Yeah. But in our wanting relevance, we try to make things that aren't deep very deep, you know, to get to sort of get like a like a sonar or radar bump, you know, like a sound of relevance. <laughs> ah, look at look at how bad my life was. I was living in S sixth market and Bing, bing, bing. Look at that bottom. Bing. I'm getting a big hit on the, yeah. Yeah. But in fact, the excess gets, even the line can stop at any moment. Yeah. No matter how many etch sketches in a row you have, there's going to be one etch sketch and the line's just going to come to a point and that's it. And then very quickly, even in time, they will all be erased. How much impression can we make on timelessness, yeah? It's like we're writing on our original face all day. A story about being something else, you know? It's like we're writing what the Zen would call your original face. We're writing on it like it's a tablet and writing a story about time and us. And yet it never leaves a mark on the original face. It's not even a henna tattoo. It's no mark at all. The original face is just like it is empty, pristine, and clear. Yeah. No matter how times you stamp your feet on it or try to cast your hand in cement, you know, I was here, Paul, if nothing, nothing lasts, yes? And a second can be honored like an eternity, and a day can be seen as a passing wind, yeah? Your attention to the, the idea of time as accruing value will diminish any old realize the incredible valueness of nothing. Yeah? Of just sitting here aware. You'll be really surprised what happens to the way you hold life. You'll go under a giant revision. It cannot help because this is just an expression of mind. Yeah? Right now certain winds of mind dominate it, but it can catch it's like a flute, it can catch any wind.
personal consciousness of that oneness, and then there's like what could be called personal consciousness. Is compassion an expression of that? It can be to a person. It can be. Yeah. So can anything else, really. You know, you can look like, from someone's point of view, you can look like a total asshole, but there can be a great holding of the space. You know, I don't know what's going on. You know, when everything's going on, it's the same th- event is seen by so many different camera locations, you know, subjectively. So you can't really come up with anything that you could say is the truth, or this is the way to see. There's just all these ways of seeing. But to, to entertain what's seeing, I think, is clearer. Yeah? If you entertain what's seeing, then you'll find out the seeing that it wants to convey its seeing through, you know, the ways. Well, you'll find out. You're always in this situation, like knowing it or not. You're in a, a posture of mind called I don't know. Yeah? And that, that causes the possibility of finding out every moment. Yeah? That's, that's like, uh, that's sort of like the constant birth before the birth of self. Yeah? It's that birth. Yeah? So, in the I don't know, I find out. Most conditional minds want to know, which is not a way of finding out, it's a way of deadening the possibility of finding out, because now you know. <laughs> and then know frames something and causes everything that doesn't fit in the frame to be not really entertained much, yeah? So this is about that being discarded and there's no one to do it, something happens, and then you start being put in a position of finding out. And that's a much more convincing way of knowledge, in my experience, is when you find something out. It becomes a very firm, uh, stable, sound uh, place to rest, attention and interest in. Yeah? You find out. And then, when downloads occur, which that's how I sense it, it's just downloading. Yes? Like usually, if, because this is the seat assignment I'm in, I have downloads about how to present this. Yeah? I don't study this shit. <laughs> I don't go home and think about it. That's the last thing I would do. <laughs> I just show up, and then it doesn't matter my condition or not. Like last night, I had a terrible sinus attack. You know, unbelievable, just unbelievable. But you just walk in here, and you're used. It doesn't really take into consideration the physical state like you would like it to. <laughs> don't you see? I'm suffering here. It has no real... It doesn't give a shit about that. It just comes out. It wants to come out. So in those downloads, is really uh, that little uh, click of like, claiming has been turned off. So the download comes in. It gets digested by who knows what. And then gets regurgitated. Yes, it's really a smooth system, and that I don't, I can't take anything away with it from it. I can't take one thing from it. It just comes, and if I try to pick something, oh, that was mine. It's blah, blah, blah. no, it's that doesn't work. It's just, and then you show up next time, yeah, and it's very economical, very clean, very economical. And it's not like a wealth of information, just some knowledge to express something through right now. I love it. It's just, it's, because the flavor of you, you think you got something coming, yeah? It's really trippy. The mind's very subtle. It thinks, somehow, it thinks that whatever comes to it must have something to do with it, or it deserves some of it, or definitely is putting its hand in that flow and grabbing some and claiming it. (laughs) 
<laughs> this is like a no-touch policy. <laughs> you sit your butt down, it's happening, and that's that. <laughs> you have nothing to do with it. <laughs> Get that through that noggin. Because if you don't, it's going to be very painful at times if you try to claim this. It's going to be very painful if you try to put a little identification bar of Paul Hedeman on your seat assignment. Because this is musical chairs. <laughs> the music can turn on any time. you got to get up and walk around. Oh, that's my chair. No, no, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> so, it's like... Uh, <laughs> it sort of neutralizes any form of claiming in a very clean way, almost like an electrified fence. <laughs> if you touch it, you get burnt. It's not like, it won't burn you if you're looking at it, but if you try to climb it, it burns you. <laughs> you may bitch about it, but I'm telling you, you'll be incredibly happy that you learned whatever needed to learn not to touch the fence. Was there ever a point when you tried to touch the fence? I haven't been that good at it, though. I don't know. For some reason, I have a quirky blind spot of claiming spirituality. I'll claim everything else. Surfing. Oh, man. Did you see me on that wave? My mind will try to claim almost anything else. But spirituality, it, does, it hasn't ever had that, that uh, powerful urge to claim, which is a nice little benefit. But other things, sure. <laughs> I did that. <laughs> I've seen a lot of people who have, and you wouldn't like to see what happens with them. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that, that pause for just a minute. Yeah. I think one of the things that AA recommended to me that I'm achieving, at least I feel like I'm achieving, is quality. Um, but now I find that I want to stay there. I mean, there's, it's safe.
the only way through pause is finding out. But I would look at the little bit of the flavor of you still in, in there. You know, when when you go into the pause, in the pause there ain't no you. And in a sense, then actions do stem from the pause. All actions have to come from actionlessness, yes? There's got to be... Everything here is a dualistic movement. So if you see a lot of action, it must come from an actionless state first, yeah? In a way. So pause, I find, actually produces a lot of action. It produces a whole new direction of action. Yeah? What it does for me, it doesn't change action, it changes the direction. Like for me, when in AA, the first examples I had of pauses when I'd have a, a very deep mental groove that wanted to find manifestation. Like it was really cooking up a great story. False evidence was appearing real and I wanted to, and I'd blow, you know, I'd act out. Yes? And what happened is, what occurred in, over time in recovery, there would, there, at one time, and this would happen all the time, in, every, in a certain type of situation, it would be triggered every time, for years and years and years and years. Then this one opportunity, I, I started cooking, and a pause appeared, yeah? And in that inaction, a whole new set of new direction of action occurred. I didn't act out. I, did, I went another way. And another sort of groove was formed, not that old groove, yeah? So for me, pause actually initiates a lot of action. You may have to wait and not get so engaged in the belief in time, and maybe you'll seem like you're not doing much for a while, but I would say a lot will come out of it. Maybe not in the same product line you used to have, but it will be of, in a, it will be of an enriching quality. Maybe you'll be doing more service with others, who knows, but it will produce an enrichment in your life, in this life, let's say. That's what my own experience was of watching it. Yeah. So. That's that. Yeah. It's past the-